of River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. I want you to turn to Ezekiel 47. So uh, we're going to talk about staying in the river. That's the title I came up with, staying in the river. So Ezekiel 47, uh, it's it's familiar passage for some of us. I, I preached on this actually back in December, this passage, when we talked about the God of revival. Uh, and, and just so cool to see how God is, is beginning to pour out so much. And I just think it is just the beginning because, uh, well, well, let's look at it. Ezekiel 47, uh, beginning in verse 1, Ezekiel the prophet is taken uh, and he's brought by an angel to see the restored city of God, the, the, the restored temple, an ideal picture of God's house. And uh, what's unique about this picture is not only does he see the house of God, but he sees a river flowing from there. Let's look at it. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For, for the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. Verse 3. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. He measured out 1,000 cubits and brought me through the waters. And first, he says, the water, as he's going from the temple, he's crossing this threshold of water, and it says that the water came up to my ankles. And again, he measured another 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. It's getting deeper. How many are ready for God to take you deeper? So he's, he's now knee deep in water. Again, he measured another thousand and brought me through and the water came up to my waist. And again, verse five, he measured another thousand and now it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. So he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank, there were many trees on one side and the other. And he said, this water flows towards the eastern regions, goes down to the valley, enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, the waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go. Now we're, we've gone from rivers singular to rivers plural. Wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be the fishermen will stand by from Engedi to Enneglaim and there will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kinds of the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given to salt. Last verse, verse 12, along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees useful for food. Their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month, not just their season, but every month because, listen to this, their water flows from the sanctuary. The water flows from the sanctuary. I've got a few points talking about staying in the river, but let me just explain what uh, this picture not only is, but is for us, because this river is flowing from the sanctuary, and it starts out as a trickle. It starts out small, but the water is flowing from no other source and no other place than God's house, God's presence, the sanctuary itself. The water flows from the sanctuary. See, God's presence is wanting to reach the world, but he doesn't just reach the world through programs or through, through, through the plans that we can come up with. He moves through people. You are 
are the house of God. The Bible says this, that the church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The church is not just a building that we meet in. It's not a steeple. It's the people of God, you and I, full of the Holy Spirit, releasing the river of God. Jesus said this in John chapter 7. He said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And the further out the river goes, he measures out first a thousand and it's knee deep or ankle deep and then knee deep and then waist deep and then eventually gets to the place where you can't stay in the river and not swim. Uh, it, you, you've, you've lost your footing and that's important. But I, before we talk about that, I want you to understand something. The further out the river goes, what always starts small increases in God. Whatever seems to start small in our lives, whatever God has begun always increases. So you may not see right now even the fruit of you sharing your faith with somebody or praying for them, but that river is going to grow. Come on, church. Don't, 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 get, don't get discouraged because you haven't seen everything happen yet. The more there's there's people's lives that have been touched and changed by I, I think of the story of uh, uh, when Billy Graham came to Christ he showed up at a tent revival and there was a man if I remember the story right he was an usher and uh, every seat was filled at this tent revival then he showed up and this usher noticed this young man who nobody had ever heard of before and he said here take my seat and he ushered him over to that seat and he gave him that seat where that young man heard the gospel gave his life to Jesus and became one of the most well-known evangelist preaching the gospel to millions, that river started small, but, oh, it got deeper. And that's how God always works, that God starts with our simple yes, our simple obedience, our simple faith, as we make room for God. So I want to give you a few things, because as, as Charlie mentioned, you know, we've, we've had, uh, I, I'd say, even more than a match this week, we've seen God move in very powerful ways, but it is so important when God does something in our lives, not just our church, but in us individually, our families. I, I've been getting messages this week, which is so encouraging. I've been getting messages from people saying, you know, I, how do I get into the Bible? How do I get into the Word of God? People are getting stirred and hungry for God. So you've got to keep the fire going. It's not enough to just experience a moment because the Christ, Christian faith is not a monument. It's a movement. Yes. It's not just about what God did. It's about what God is doing and continuing to do. Because he always wants to increase it. And so I've, I've learned these, just a few of these, and, and I'm sure that there's so many more, but these to me are things that, because I'm not just interested in seeing God work in one season of my life. I want to experience revival, not just as a event or a moment, but as a way of life, as a part of my everyday life, as a part of, because God wants to do something even greater than just having good church services. Are you with me? He wants to reach cities. It's meant to stay hungry. Stay hungry. I think anything that God does in our life is meant to provoke an appetite, an appetite for more of him, an appetite for more of his presence, an appetite for more of his word, more, of, more, of, more time with Jesus. See, every encounter with God is meant to be an invitation, not just to that moment, but an invitation to a life of experiencing God. A lifetime, see David, or the psalmist, I think it was the sons of Korah actually, they, in their psalm they wrote this, that my soul thirsts for you, God. As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts after you, God. There's something in meeting, encountering God, that when it really happens in your life, and it's personal, there's nothing else in the world that can fill like him. There's nothing else in the world that can satisfy. There's nothing else in the world that can meet the deepest need of your heart like the presence and purpose of God. So we stay hungry. Proverbs 27, verse 7 says, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. 
But to a hungry soul, see, see, you can become satisfied with less. I, I don't know. They, I, I like to eat steak. Anybody else like steak besides me? Okay, I'm going to get somebody hungry tonight. Anytime they bring out bread before I have the steak, I overeat the bread. And, and if I'm not careful, I'll get so full on something that's lesser that I won't have an appetite for the real thing, the main course. And I think so many of us have opportunities to get filled with other things, even go back to our old diet, so to speak, the old things that we used to feed on even before God touched us this weekend. And we become satisfied with something less when God invites us. Why would you ever settle for, for bread you can get at the store when you've got a filet right in front of you? <laughs> See, God wants to fill our lives. He wants us to hunger and, and thirst after something real. And we need to feed on, I've said this before, but you hunger for what you feed after. So if I want to change what I'm hungry for, uh, you know, when my kids aren't feeling well, I can tell that something's wrong, especially my boys. The, the bigger my boys grow, my, my oldest is 12 years old, there's something that he is, it's, it's like a personality trait at this point. He's always hungry. <laughs> like, I, I think today, we just like fed him, we had this great big meal, and five minutes later he said, I'm starving. I don't understand that. But that's kind of how, our, that's our, how our, our relationship with God is meant to be. That no matter what God does, and it's not from a, a standpoint of, of always being you know, desperate in, in, like an, in an orphaned way, that, that God's provided everything and we're, we're feeling like we don't have enough. But listen, God provides and he fills, but there's always going to be a part of us that's hungry for more. And if there's an appetite for more, it's because God has more. So stay hungry. I want to encourage you, if you don't already, to take time every day to meet with God. Take time every day to meet with Jesus, to be alone with God. These times are so special that we can gather together as the church. And that's absolutely vital. We learned that in this last 18 months, this last year, how important it is to gather when we become isolated and separated. That's important. But this is not a substitute for the secret place alone with God where you draw near to Jesus. In fact, this is meant to be an overflow of that. And so when we, the, the real strength of the Christian life, the real fire and hunger of the Christian life comes from the place we've been with God. We've been with Jesus. And that happens as we pray, as we spend time in God's word, as we worship as we spend time with him, number two is to stay burning. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12, there's a couple times that God refers to fire and the, the, the worship and the elements of uh, the temple, first tabernacle, then the temple. And uh, the two places that had fire at the, the, the Old Testament tabernacle, the first was the altar, the altar of sacrifice. And this is a fire that actually first originated from heaven. And here's what God said, and here's the word of the Lord for them. But it speaks to us in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning. It shall not be put out. But how do you keep it burning? As Charlie mentioned, the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. Inside the, taber inside the tabernacle, there was a lampstand. And to fuel that fire... There had to be oil. 
And the priesthood, the priests had a responsibility. Their job was to keep the fire burning on the altar and present the sacrifice. And then as they entered into the house of God, the, te- the, tent, the tent of meeting and the tabernacle, they were to keep the oil, fresh oil, every morning and every night so that it did not go out. Their responsibility was to maintain the lampstand every morning and every night. And that, for us, it's so important that we create a time. Now, I'm not a guy who tends to be, you know, like, I, I, I'm a little bit more free-flowing just in, in the way I operate on certain things. So it's hard for me sometimes to have, like, a disciplined time. But I learned a long time ago, God spoke to me. He said, if you want to make room for me to move, you've got to be disciplined. And, and as you feed on the Word, He creates hunger. As you're diligent to put oil in, you're going to sustain the fire. We've, we've all seen people burn out. <laughs> Maybe we've burned out. But God wants to keep the fire going. And that requires keeping a log on the fire. It requires keeping our lamps burning. Jesus said it this way. This is in red letters. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your waist be girded. In other words, always be ready to move. Always be ready to run. Always be ready to respond to the master. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Keep the lamps burning. You know, we actually owe, as the church, we owe the world around us an encounter with the God that we know. Not religion, not our tradition, not our form, not our ritual, not anything that we can come up with. And, you know, sometimes as spirit-filled Christians, we think we don't have that. Oh, we do. The moment we stop letting him be the one directing us and we come up with our own plans. But that won't change the world. The only thing that will change the world is the presence of God. Keep your lamps burning. Let your waist be girded. Keep your lamps burning. There's a story, a parable that Jesus gave. It was the, the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. And the reason that five were wise is they prepared with enough oil. The only difference described between the wise and the foolish was one was prepared and one was diligent and one was not. All ten were described as virgins. All ten were waiting for the bridegroom to come. All all ten were preparing themselves and actually all ten fell asleep. Uh You can read it in Matthew 25. All ten fell asleep. And when the voice of the master came, and they said the, the voice announced, the bridegroom's coming. They all woke up and they all got ready quickly, but five of them found out they were not prepared. Why were they not prepared? They didn't have enough oil. See, after the the, the bridegroom delayed in his coming and some time had gone by, see, some people are in it for the short term, but God's not after, God's, God's looking for people to run in the long haul. He's looking for people. That's, that's why I'm, I'm so thankful for some of the people God's brought into my life over the years. I actually got reminded me of, of one of our mentors who's now, I guess, probably in her late 80s, early 90s, preached the gospel all over the world. Another one, Iverna Tompkins, is in her 90s, 92, I think she just turned. And these are people who have run their race for, for decades. I, I'm not just interested in, in you know, that's, you know I, I've worked with young leaders over the last few years. And I've seen a lot of people, oh man, this, 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 is, this is impressive. Look at their social media following and their Instagram and how they dress and, you know, all, all this stuff. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. 
And I, I, I've actually had, I've had people get out of God's, like, step out of what they were supposed to do. But I remember I, I, told, I told this uh, group of young adult leaders years ago, I said, none of my mentors had cool points. But I learned to worship. I learned to pray. Those of you who are upstairs, and, and Charlie was teaching about intercession. I was in there for a minute of it, and I heard him talk about praying through. Those are things we've forgotten about in the church today. Keep burning. Number three, stay, stay yielded. yielded. Stay yielded. <laughs> you can say yielded too. <laughs> stay yielded. See, I think this is important because it's a hundred little yeses that make room for a big yes. You know, I believe in, I've lived in the big moments where you say yes to God and it means everything. It means moving, selling, trusting, whatever. I mean, I, I've had those moments. But to know God's voice for those moments, it took a lot of little yeses and obeying in the little things. And so we've got to stay yielded. And this is absolutely true. I think one of the things that keeps people from moving forward when God's moving. See, I don't think it's an issue so much of whether or not God will move. The issue is, are we moving with him? Are we moving with him? See, I've learned that, that the best thing I can do is to find out what he's doing and then get in on it. <laughs> it's a lot easier. And when we get in on what God's doing and catch his heart, do you know what God's heart is? It's a loss being found. It really is. That's why we saw God move so powerfully, I believe, this weekend. That's God's heart. God's after that. God's after, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm on a broken record all the time sharing about how many people have come to Jesus. The reason I do that is so that we keep our eye on the ball, so that we know what the main thing is. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but here's the key. It takes all of us being yielded. Do you know that someone's miracle and someone's changed life is on the other side of your obedience to God? It's on the other side of your yes. Your, your family's revival is on the other side of your Yes. John 10, 27. This is a key verse for me, for us as a church. You'll hear me share about it. It's in our next steps class. <laughs> it, it, it's, you just can't get away from this. John 10, 27. Jesus said, this to me is the definition of being a follower of Jesus. His my sheep, hear my voice. So he didn't just say my evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers, hear my voice. He didn't just say that. He says, my sheep. So that's bad, bad. That's all of us, right? Like, if you said yes to Jesus, you're a sheep. Because sometimes we talk ourselves out of, we disqualify ourselves. We think, oh, I can't. I hear it all the time. I can't hear God's voice like you or that, like that person. Or no, no, every person. Do you know how I get to know my, my wife? Now, thankfully, because of, you know, technology, I've got a beautiful picture of my wife that pops up on my phone every time she calls me. But even if I didn't have that, I could know who it was that I'm talking to because I recognize her voice. We've been married for 14 years. I've gotten to know. She doesn't even have to say anything sometimes, and I know what she's thinking. <laughs> she can just give me a look. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. You know the look. And so, so it's important that we recognize the more time we spend with him, the more we recognize his voice. So if you want to hear his voice more, spend more time with him. You'll get to know his voice. And as he begins to lead you and speak to you, respond. 
And Charlie mentioned this during the revival. I think it was the night at Zion. Whatever he says, do it. And if he can trust us with a little, he'll give more. He really will. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. So it's the right and privilege and inheritance of every believer to hear the voice of God. That's not, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up with that. I, I didn't know anybody heard the voice of God. But that's the privilege of every believer. Just read your Bible. God's always talking to people. <laughs> he wants a relationship with you. It's not anything weird. It's, it's, it's the communication is the heart of relationship. And I'm a Bible guy, but can I just tell you, he didn't say my sheep read my book. He said my sheep hear my voice. We read the word, but the word points us to Jesus, points us to God. See, he says my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So it's not just that I hear his voice, it's that I follow in response. So I want you to catch this, because if we go back to the story of the river, what happens? Ezekiel starts out, and it's ankle deep. And some of us right now are in ankle deep water, and it's new for us, and that's okay. It's new. I mean, they didn't teach us this at our last denominational training. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't go there. Um, and we're ankle deep, and, and, and it's new, because it's no longer dry. But the deeper we go, we find out, oh, I'm, I'm knee-deep. This is a little bit different. This, s- suddenly, God's asking me to surrender some stuff. I don't know about that. <laughs> and then we get waist-deep. And, 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 but we, we still got a, we've got our feet on the ground. But then you get to a place where you get in the river, and what becomes, it becomes deep enough that you have to swim. Anybody ever actually get in a river? The river carries you. You're not having, like, listen, I kayaked on the Manatee River in Florida. I don't know that I'd recommend that because there's definitely alligators and bull sharks. I I couldn't convince my my aforementioned beautiful wife to join me kayaking. She said, no, that's for you. By the way, is the life insurance paid up? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but here's the thing. When you're, when you're paddling, yeah, right? <laughs> She's got her priorities straight. Okay. And as you're going with the river, it's easy. When you're trying to paddle against the river, it's really hard. But can I just tell you, the key when you no longer have your feet on the ground, the, river, the reason why that's so important is you lose, you surrender control. God never forces us, he invites us. And the deeper we go, the more control we give over to him. Until we get to the place where now he's directing. Are, are you with me? And that, I believe, is where God's trying to bring all of us. And that's how we stay in revival. That's how we stay in a move of God, is we stay yielded to God. And we let Him direct us. See, a river twists and bends. Sometimes it gets narrow, and sometimes it gets wide. And wherever it is, the key is, stay in the river. Whatever God's doing in your life, surrender to Him. Yield to Him. Say yes to Him. I don't understand it. Me either. That's okay. The more you know him, the more you trust him. And he's good. And here's what the verse said. Wherever the river went, there was life. There was healing. Okay. 
Luke 19.44. We're almost done. Luke 19.44, and then we're going to pray. Just a couple more. Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem that he's, he's, he's done miracles in. Can I just, let me just give you something a little sobering for a second. Because I'm a revival guy. I love revival. Revival also carries a level of responsibility. Jesus went from city to city to city in Galilee and Judea, healing the sick, casting out demons, cleansing lepers, doing all this stuff, doing all the stuff he does. But then he comes to Jerusalem, still does the miracles, still does all that, but he gets rejected by the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he begins to weep over the outcome because while many experienced miracles, many of those didn't allow those miracles to bring them into relationship and surrender to Jesus. And Jesus looked at a city that doesn't recognize they have the king of kings in their midst. And here's what he says, Luke 19, 44, at the very end of the verse. He said, he said, you did not know the hour or the time of your visitation. I believe God has a purpose for North Iowa, for our nation, for our families. But we, need, we want to respond to that. Number four is stay focused. Stay focused. Revelation 19 tells us that, you know, it's a great picture as Jesus is about to return. For the fire self ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. It was tradition that a bride would make her own gown in this time. There was no David's bridal. I don't know what we have here, but there's, there's no, there's no uh, bridal shop to go pick out a dress. They would make their own dress in preparation for the bridegroom. And so here's what it says. The church is prepared and ready for the coming of her bridegroom, Jesus, the King of Kings. He's returning again. And as he's coming again, the Bible says the church has made herself ready. And what has she made herself with? It tells us the acts, the righteous acts of the saints. Do you know that's your purpose? Every time you do what God's called you to do, you're a part of making the bride ready. Ready for the king to receive what he paid for. But that's not all. He, John, as he's receiving this word, he's talking to an angel. And he becomes so overwhelmed by, I've told you before, angels are not, you know, cute naked babies like we see on. <laughs> In fact, some of them were terrifying. Let's just be honest. Like one angel took out an entire army. Something like 200,000 guys wiped them out. So, so there's more with you than against you. That's good news. But here's what it says. He says, I fell at his feet. This is John the Apostle. I fell at this angel's feet to worship him. And the angel said to me, see that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. See, we've got to stay focused. In the middle of all that God is doing, and he's doing so much, in the, middle of, in the midst of even in front of what the enemy's trying to do, and what the world's doing. We can look at anything and everything and allow any of that, but we've got to do one thing that's necessary, and it's to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to, as the church, keep the main thing the main thing. And he says, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, it's two things. First, it's that every time you share the testimony of the Lord, you're declaring what God can and will do. 
Come on, some of you, God did miracles in your life this week. You need to tell about it. You need to share that because somebody else needs what God did in your life. And you're prophesying to them. But it's also that the testimony of Jesus is the heartbeat of all that he's doing. It's all to point us to Jesus. It's all to point us to him. I don't know who preached this this week. It was just, uh, maybe it was Joe Sunday night. But Jesus said this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I love the focus that Jesus has. You know, Jesus had a ministry that lasted three and a half years. And the things that he did in three and a half years, John would later say that you couldn't even fill all the books in all the world with all the things that he did. I'd say that's a pretty effective three and a half years. You know how he did it? He did what he saw the Father doing. He wasn't moved by what people did or said or pressured or any of that. No, no. He followed the Father. He stayed focused. He was incredibly focused. Can I tell you, as you and I stay focused on the the work that he's called us to do, it's actually what sustains us, feeds our soul. Jesus, as he said that to his disciples, he said, guys, you don't know, realize this, I have food you don't know anything about. You know, they brought him lunch. He said, I'm already full. (laughs) And what had he been doing? If you don't know the story, I'd encourage you to go read it, John 4. He's reaching the Samaritan woman, and by her testimony, reaches an entire city. And, and his Jewish disciples come, and, you know, they don't really deal with the Samaritans. They avoid them. In fact, literally, Jews would, would spend several days' journey just to go around the whole territory rather than go through it. But Jesus needed to go through it because there was somebody he was after. And he goes through it. He reaches this woman. He, she, by through her, reaches this entire town. And the disciples, they bring lunch, and they show up with Jimmy John's and wonder what Jesus just did. We can't leave him alone for five minutes. You know, he's reaching people in the grocery store. He's reaching people at work. He's reaching people everywhere. And Jesus tells him, he says, guys, I got food that you don't know about. The thing that sustains me. Can I tell you what's going to feed your soul? (laughs) See, the Jordan River goes to two lakes, two seas. Sea of Galilee that's full of life, and the Dead Sea that has no life. The difference between them is the Sea of Galilee has outlets. Same river pouring in, outlets. It gives away what it receives. A lot of you got a Holy Spirit downpour this week. Me too. Do you know what we got to do with it? Give it away. Because the reason why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea is it doesn't give away anything. What comes in never goes out. Come on, there's people who've been in revival after revival in years. I mean, I, I, I've seen it. And they've become full, but they've never given away what they've received. Jesus said, heal the, here, here's the mission of the church. Jesus, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. That's, that's point five. Last one. Stay open-handed. Stay open-handed. Matthew 10. In fact, can you pull that up on the screen? We're going to finish with this. Matthew 10, verse 7. As you go, preach, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast the demons. Freely you've received, freely give. So, so we need to be giving away what we've received. As I started in ministry, just going to the streets in Phoenix. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't go to Bible school. 
Probably could have benefited from that, but I didn't. And he, and he brought around me. Just having brought around Joe, a team of people. Got her brought around a team around. That's how I met my wife. And we're just loving, serving people, reaching people. And I remember the garbage as I was dealing. I took over a church that was very unhealthy, and we had some issues dealing with rooting out the garbage. And I remember while I was in that season thinking, I never dealt with this before. I never dealt with it. I didn't understand it. And, and I remembered because we used to be on mission. And when you're on mission, you're not worried about. You know, I don't think anybody, you know, some of you have served overseas in battle, in combat. We've got people who are veterans in this room. You know, are you really worried about the guys on your squad hurting your feelings? <laughs> or are you keeping an eye on the target and the mission and the enemy that needs to be defeated and what needs to be overcome? Freely you've received, freely give. It's time, to, it's time to serve with what we've been given. Time to serve others in the church and in the world. To reach people with the hope of Jesus. Then he tells them something in verse 9. I, I said the last point is to stay open-handed. I don't want to live empty, but I want to live emptied. Living empty means I've never been filled. Living emptied means I'm pouring out. And as we do that, here's the amazing thing about God. I've seen him be so faithful. When we pour out, he pours back in. He pours even more than we pour out. He really does. Here's what he tells them as he says, hey, go, go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, all that stuff. He says, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts. He's about to send them on a mission trip to the, to the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, here, guys, don't, don't prepare for this trip don't try to bring, you know, how many are like, you go on a vacation and you've got 15 suitcases. None of you raising your hand. How many of you, your spouse does? Okay, we got an answer there. He's saying, no, no, travel light. Don't carry a bunch of baggage. Trust me. Live open-handed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you along the way. And, and I just want to end with this because I, I feel like some of us have a plan B right now. You know what the plan B is? It's all the stuff you bring along just in case. Just in case God doesn't show up. Just in case the plan A doesn't work out. You know, I, I don't want to get, a, get to a place in my life where God has to come along and say, Brian, I wanted to use you. I wanted to reach these people. I wanted to touch that family or touch that city. I wanted to do that, but you were living for plan B. You had your own plan. You had your own. You were leaning on your own understanding instead of trusting. I, I think it's time to burn plan B and find out what God's plan A is for our lives and say yes. Would you stand to your feet? Freely you've received. Freely give. Freely receive, freely give. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. As I was praying for tonight, the Lord really put on my heart that there was going to be, yeah, come on now. Your people are going to be healed tonight. If you need healing, I believe he's here to meet you.
we were just talking to somebody just before service it wasn't in the meetings it was beneath healing I believe God's going to touch you but maybe you're here maybe you were in the revival meetings but you haven't experienced a healing yet that's okay he's the same yesterday today and forever he's going to do it he's going to meet you Michaela, where are you at? Come on up here and tell them what God did in the revival. In case there's anybody. I came into the revival with a broken foot. They told me that it wasn't healing and that I was going to probably need surgery. I came in, God healed me, and I have been fine ever since. I have severe scoliosis and nerve pain damage, and I haven't had any back pain since. Um, it was really put on my heart to share God everywhere I go. I actually got in trouble at work today for preaching God, and they told me that I needed to stop. Here, stay up here for a minute. Stay up here. Come on, Jesus. Let's go. If you need healing tonight, I want us to do this. Our team's going to pray over you, and uh, Joe, your team, if you want to pray as well. If you need healing today, we want to pray for you. Would you just come down? Because I believe God wants to meet you. Yeah, would you pray for Joe and Michaela? I'm going to ask Jason a moment. He's going to lead us in a song as they're praying. But I want to I want to have one more thing we're going to pray for besides healing tonight. Because I think it's time for somebody in the room to lay down plan B and pick up God's plan A. Mm. And if that's you, just lift your hands to God. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you're meeting our yes. Yes. We're going to stay hungry. We're going to stay burning. Some of you, God's going to begin to speak to you to rearrange your schedule a little bit. Or a lot. But he's going to call you to rearrange your schedule to make room for him. Listen. Never is there a time we say yes and surrender that God doesn't do so much more than anything we lay down. Some of us are just too busy. But God wants to bring his best. God, I thank you. We're going to stay burning. We're going to stay yielded. Some of us need to say yes to God in some areas. Not try to control not let our pride keep us from saying yes and surrender and yielding to Him. Some of us need to lay down a plan B tonight and give Him a full, unqualified, unconditional yes. Jason is going to lead us. And as we're doing that, if you need prayer, I want, us, I want you to come down here. If you're ready to lay down some plan Bs, and pick up God's plan A. Say, God, I need you. I'm going to give away what I've received. Come on, church. The rest of us, let's worship together. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.